0: what you need to know about the current Social Security claiming rules, how to curb taxes in retirement, and what Donald Trump's tax return reveals. This is Your Money, Your Wealth. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, social security expert Mary Beth Franklin explains the current claiming rules and how they might have changed your retirement plans. Joe and Big Al offer tips for managing taxes in retirement and answer emails on rollovers, Roth IRAs, 401Ks, debt, and building a stock portfolio. And finally, from sole proprietorships to real estate, alternative minimum tax to capital gains and losses, the fellas analyze the tax return of one Donald J. Trump. Here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. You know
1: what, Al? That's life insurance.
2: Yeah, it's uh, what—just for your heirs, I guess. <laughs> yes, just, just in case. Just, just in <laughs> case you get some heirs. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll while see. you're young and healthy. Yes, yeah? I
1: think it's important for people to, to purchase life
2: insurance. Yes, I, you know? I agree with you. I've, right? got, I've got some myself.
1: And uh, actually, I guess of, two, two policies you, you kind of feel a little relieved afterwards, yeah. You know? right. it's kind of a sunk cost, hopefully, sure, <laughs> hopefully, it is right. Hopefully, in, uh, it's you know, term policy, but you know, going through that interview process, right? I wonder how many people actually tell the truth.
2: Well, did the, the, they ask you, do you jump out of a plane and, and hide or balloon, that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, sure. Race, hi, race cars? Race cars. Yeah. <laughs> Moving
1: violations? Never. <laughs> ever. <laughs> right? And then, oh, do, you ever, well. do you ever drink? Yeah. Do you drink alcohol? Uh, one, one beer a week. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> alcohol? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and I was like, well, she's like, well, when's the last time you drank alcohol? All right. And I was like, well, I had a beer on Sunday. Yes. Then she kind of looks at me like you shouldn't. have? Th- I felt bad. I was like, <laughs> I meant Saturday. Oh, um... Super preferred is out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> She's like, well, how many did you have? I was okay. like, well, it was Sunday. I don't know. Probably just <laughs> thirty. It's a weekend. <laughs> yes. What do you think? <laughs> you know, no, probably two beers. I was watching basketball. But uh... she didn't ask you about Saturday. No, she didn't that ask. Have... Me. Thank God about not Friday or Saturday. <laughs> So,
2: oh, St. Rough. Patty's Day. You know, Joe. There's uh, consumers are expected to spend about 5.3 billion dollars uh, on St. Patty's Day. Uh, so 5.3 billion dollars on what? On uh, on 35 dollars per person for corned beef, beer, green apparel, and other purchases. Uh, but there's a unexpected uh, bill that will happen to many. Uh, the uh, Emergency dental visits jump 77% the day after St. Patty's Day.
1: Dental visits?
2: Yes. You know why? Why? Because... Uh, More
1: beef is too hard? <laughs>
2: because uh, the visits often stem from drunken clumsiness and fights. Oh. So, yeah, I hope uh,
1: yes. you didn't have to go to the dentist. Exactly. You know, Alan, uh, my uncle, he had that a bout with... Cancer. Oh, that's too bad. And uh, cancer survivor, though. Yeah, right? right. And so, you know, going through that, you have a period of life where you're kind of digging in a little bit deeper, right? You kind of find purpose and meaning, you know, of what your life meant. I, and, I, I, yeah, I suppose you kind of have a, a whole new outlook. Sure. And, and you know, you maybe you savor whatever you've got right. left. Yeah, that m- mortality kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So what he did is he wanted to go through the family tree to kind of see where you know. Kind of the linkages with our okay. family, right? Okay, sure. And so for years, um, I we thought my on my mom's side, we're 100% Norwegian. Right. But guess what? We have about, I think there's a quarter Irish. Oh, you got some Irish. In oh, you. yeah. Wow, I got some Irish in me, too. So that explains everything. And that's why you got a green tie it uh, Yeah. And then I was going to say something else, but um, I don't know. Slipped
2: your mind? It did. Well, I've got some real content to to do, which is social security. You don't want to talk about
1: green beer, getting in fights?
2: Well, and... the, the dental. I, well, fortunately, I'm not at the dental office because I didn't get into a fight, and I didn't uh, trip and was not clumsy from my drunkenness.
1: Usually, if the knees start kind of... <laughs> you uh, stop? I, I shut her down. You know what I mean? It's, it's enough, right? I don't think I've ever been to the stage where, you know, oh, you know, you're, you're just... You can always just uh, uh, hit
2: uber on your phone right D- D- and there, you, there you go all right. set right well
1: if i'm still out in public if i feel that way <laughs> then, then i don't know that's uh yeah
2: it's funny i was talking to ryan yesterday uh on the phone and and uh oh we were talking about i don't know we we're talking about drinking <laughs> <laughs> and and that's he, what you do with your son. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good good conversation <laughs> yes. with, hey, with your twenty four year old son. How how many beers did you have last? week? <laughs>
1: were you giving him a medical exam?
2: <laughs> no, but I mean, it's uh, I don't know why how, why it came up. We were talking about. Hangovers, and he just said, "Yeah, they're awful, you know." I, and I, you know, and I, I relayed, "Yeah, I had a few in college, not tons, but a few." And you get to where it's just—it's you, you, not even worth it. You don't even want to do it the night before because you know how bad you're going to feel the next day. Yeah,
1: and age doesn't help that.
2: But uh, I did have—I had one relapse in my 40s. Uh, Very—it uh, was awful, and that was the last time. <laughs> it was early 40s, and now I'm late 50s, so I've been. Clean for <laughs> clean living 15, 16 years without a hangover.
1: Oh man. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about Social Security. We have this Social Security webinar coming up. And yes, then you have a quiz for me because I'm I'm getting prepared for this webinar.
2: Yeah, and uh, and you yeah, you're going to be teaching it and uh, gosh, we have a lot of people that have already signed up. How do they sign up? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yourmoneyyourwealth.com. They can register for tomorrow's Social Security webinar at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Please continue, out.
2: All right. This uh, these are actually generally pretty simple. I think you'll do pretty well on this. Um, so the first question is uh, true, true or false. You can increase your monthly Social Security benefits by delaying receiving benefits until age 67.
1: Sure, yeah. You yeah. get an 8% delayed retirement credit from your full retirement age to age 70.
2: That's exactly right. And so full retirement age this year
1: is, uh, what, 66
2: years two and two months? months. Yes. And uh, and so after that, uh, it's uh, if you do this on an annual basis, you have an 8% increase each and every year.
1: You know what, though, Al? You can still increase your overall Social Security benefit on top of the 8% delayed retirement credit, which I think a lot of people don't that's, get. That's, that is true. Why don't you explain how? <laughs> because if you continue to work... Right. Uh, so they take a look at 35 years of work history to come up with your PIA, your primary insurance amount. And so if I'm continuing to work past my full retirement age, even if, let's say, if I'm already collecting my full, um, let's say I'm already collecting my benefit, right. but I'm still working, I'm putting it into the system. And so what they do is they'll look at that year of wages. And that if it was higher than any other of the 35 years that I did before, they'll just replace that year with another. And they'll drop off the lower one, and so they recalculate it, and then I would get an increase in my overall benefit. So the longer right. you work, as well, even though you are collecting your benefit, yeah, it's going to increase. Let's say if I, I work until seventy-five, and I'm still putting into FICA, right? You don't stop putting into the system, yeah. But your 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 benefit potentially would increase because it, it depends on you know your top thirty-five years of wages. But I would imagine if you're still working, you know, later in life, those wages are probably a little bit higher than they were when you were. Or, you know, twenty
2: or I think 25. that's in a lot of cases. That's right because so so you just you take a higher earning year and drop off a lower earning year and you get more benefits. So that's true. Second, to true false. Children can receive social security benefits. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If, yeah you if, if
1: you have a father. Uh, that, or mother, um, that is collecting Social Security and if if it's a minor child.
2: Yeah. Children under age 18 can receive Social Security benefits if their parent or guardian is receiving benefits. They they can also collect survivor benefits in the event of a parent's passing.
1: Yeah. Trump's kid, do you think he's collecting? (laughs) It's (laughs) possible. What's his name? Little Bonner? Donner?
2: Oh, I knew it. I can't think about it off the top of my head, but anyway, uh, here's three. When a person claims Social Security benefits, it causes their spouse or ex-spouse's social security benefits to be reduced. A lot well, of people wish that. Yeah. <laughs> on the ex-spouse, <laughs> it's I'm going to claim, I'm going to max it out and so my ex uh, <laughs> my ex-spouse's
1: ex-spouse is uh, going to get get, get a Pay right. Or you know, I'm going to collect on my ex-spouse's benefit just to reduce it. Uh, no, it has no effect. It's just a simple, different calculation. That's that's just a calculation. That's that, all. That's, that's right. All Spouse it.
2: spousal benefits do not cause the primary earner benefits to be reduced. And interestingly enough, if you've been married and divorced Multiple, four times, sure. and and each of those prior spouses, you've been married ten years, they can all claim your benefits. Right. So it's pretty interesting how that can work.
1: Yeah, you have to be married at least for ten years, though. Ten years, and then right. not remarried yeah. to collect on one of the
2: ex-spouses. That's right. Here's the next one: Government workers do not pay into Social Security.
1: Government workers? Well, it depends on the classification of the it, government it, worker. It does, but let's 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 call it federal workers. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, they definitely do. <laughs> yeah. That's, if it's civil service retirement or federal reti- um, furs and SIRS, yeah, they,
2: they put they it into do. Social Security. So they, the answer is false because go- the question was government workers do not pay into Social Security. False, they do. And in fact, since 1983, all new government employees, including members of Congress, have been paying into Social Security and are eligible for full benefits. A divorced spouse can collect benefits. On an ex-spouse's record, even if the former spouse has not claimed benefits.
1: No. The, if on a spousal benefit?
2: On, a, on an ex-spouse's.
1: Okay. Well, the, let's the, say if I'm still claiming the spousal benefit, it's an ex-spouse. Yes, they would be able to... Let me see. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> it is. It's a little tricky. I had to think about that myself. Because but, if, if I'm married, it's a spousal benefit, then that other spouse needs to be claiming or filed for benefits and then suspend those benefits. Correct. If it's an ex-spouse, I'm going to say, no, that person does not need to be claiming. And that's a guess.
2: Yeah, you are correct. So the answer is true. Divorced spouses do not have to wait for their former spouse to claim benefits, but they do have to wait until they turn 62. Yes, they do. So, all right, you're five for five. You can collect two full checks at the same time, a spousal benefit and a benefit based upon your own work record.
1: Yes, but it only comes into one check. That's where it gets a little bit confusing, because let's say if I claim my benefit, for instance, if I claim, let's say, my own benefit at 62, and then but my spousal benefit is higher than my own benefit, and then when my spouse returns full retirement age and claims their benefit. Mine would then revert to the spousal, but how it actually works behind the scenes in the Social Security Administration is that you still get your benefit, and then they just add on top of that. Right. The, the, the spousal benefit. Right. So the spousal benefit wouldn't be reduced per se because you switch to the spousal benefit at, let's say, your full retirement age, even though you claimed your benefit at 62, but your benefit would still be reduced. So it would yeah. be a reduced benefit.
2: That is, a, your explanation was correct. Your answer to the question was, was wrong. Because it said you can collect two full checks at the same time. The answer is false. But you said that. You, you, you can get the benefits, but it's only on one check.
1: It's one check. You're not
2: getting two checks. So listen to the question. You can collect two checks at the same time. False. Stupid. <laughs> An annual cost of living adjustment is guaranteed. An annual? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> cost of living adjustments are based on inflation. We've had several years where there's been no increase at all. Foreign citizens cannot collect Social Security benefits. Foreign citizens? No, that is false. That is false. Foreign, if, if foreign citizen, as long as they have 40 quarters or 10 years of service, then they can collect benefits. If I keep working while collecting benefits, my income will be subject to payroll tax.
1: Yes. If, well,
2: hold on. Yes. If, yeah, your, your earnings will be subject to payroll. Yeah, we already yeah, talked about yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's correct. And the last one, this one I had to think about for a second. A couple... You'll know this right away. A couple must be married for at least ten years before a person can collect spousal benefits on their partner's record. If they're married, a couple must be married for at least ten years before a person can collect spousal benefits on their partner's record. So they're still married. No, that's only on an ex-spouse. That's right. It's only on an ex-spouse. And so for for new, for new married, I think it's a year. It's exactly. Newly married couples have to wait one year before they become eligible for spousal benefits. Boom. So I will give you ten out of ten. All right. Thanks, buddy.
0: Social security is likely to be an important part of your retirement. And as you just heard, it gets complicated to learn how to maximize your social security benefits under the new rules. Sign up for our free social security webinar happening tomorrow, Tuesday, March 28th at 10 30 a.m. Pacific time. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com to register. Then log on to the free webinar tomorrow. Joe will teach you about claiming strategies, how to calculate your benefits, what benefits are available and how they're taxed. That's the free social security webinar tomorrow, Tuesday, March 28th at 10. 30 a.m. Pacific. Register at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now we step back in time, back to Halloween 2015, when the government was running out of money, back to when they changed the social security claiming rules, back to when Joe and Big Al looked to nationally recognized social security expert Mary Beth Franklin for guidance. Hey,
2: uh,
1: we got Mary Beth on the line.
2: Yeah, some pretty big changes this week with Social Security.
1: Huge changes. Yes. So as soon as I found the word, right, I had everyone in the office yes. tracking down Mary Beth. And and we found her. We found her because she's the, probably in, in the United States when it comes to Social Security. This is the person that you need to talk to. So Mary Beth, thanks so much uh, for joining us today.
3: Well, I think it's very appropriate that Halloween has come early to a lot of retirees because when they hear this news, they're going to be scared. <laughs>
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive in, Mary Beth. Tell yeah. us, okay, so what, what happened? What are the changes? What um, what the heck is going on?
3: Well, you probably know that there's been some big legislation in Congress this past week to keep the government from running out of money. That's a laudable goal. It's important legislation to pass through quickly. The only problem was there were a lot of sneaky things in it that no one knew about. Some of the good things for retirees are the Medicare premium increase for 2016 is not going to be as bad as we thought. The other good news is disability benefits will not run out next year in the middle of a presidential election season. But the bad news is the trade-off was Congress decided to change some very important claiming rules for future beneficiaries.
2: So were you were you surprised Mary Beth
3: at this? I think the word is gob smacked. <laughs> I have covered Congress for 30 years and I have never seen anything like this, where something that is so significant to Americans who have paid FICA taxes throughout their careers and at least felt they had some control over when they could claim their Social Security benefits and to maximize those benefits, this came out of nowhere. They will not take away benefits from people who are already claiming. But there was a whole lot of confusion Um, Earlier in the week, because the way the legislation was written originally, it meant that at that six-month deadline, effectively around May 1st, this would apply to everybody, even people who had already claimed, which meant checks to their wives and husbands and kids would have stopped well luckily before the house passed the rule someone rewrote it to basically say if you've already done this don't worry everybody can keep collecting benefits it's only people who try to file and suspend after the deadline which is roughly may 1st 2016 family members will no longer be able to collect on benefits. So no one who is currently collecting a benefit will lose it, but the rules will change going forward.
2: Uh, Mary Beth, I had just read something from Larry Kutlikoff, and he was talking about that four-year benefit for a spouse could be as much as $50,000, and so that's what's going away.
3: Well, no, that's a separate piece. We haven't gotten to that yet. Oh, okay. Um, Well, educate us. The first part applies to file and suspend, and basically the law is saying if you are currently 66 or will be 66 by roughly May 1st next year, you can still file and suspend under the old rules. That's the first part. The second part has to do with filing for spousal benefits only. So if you're 62 or older by the end of this year, by December 31st, 2015, you still have the right when you turn 66 to collect a spousal benefit only. If you're younger than 62, by the end of this year, you don't have that option. When you claim Social Security, they will pay you whatever benefit you're entitled to, and if you're entitled to two, you'll only get the higher of the two, and the other one goes away. So if when I get to my full retirement age of 66 and my own retirement benefit is higher than my benefit as a spouse, they're only going to pay me my own retirement benefit, and I will never get to collect the spousal benefit
1: significant changes in Social Security um, and when it comes to claiming strategies that is going to affect most of us if you're not 62 years of age. If you're 62 years of age or older, you still have a little bit of a window. Mary Beth, let's clarify some things here because, of course, I it sounds like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay. To, to recap, if you are currently 66 or you turn 66 within the next six months, you will still be able to file and suspend your Social Security benefit so you can trigger a benefit for your spouse or minor dependent child while your own benefits keep growing. After that deadline, which is roughly May 1st, and I'm saying roughly because it's 180 days after the president signs the bill, and he hasn't signed the bill yet. After that May 1 deadline, You will no longer be able to file and suspend for the purpose of triggering a benefit for your family. The only way your family could collect on your record after claiming, after May 1st, is for you to actually claim a benefit. That's a huge change. The other big change is if you want to collect only your spousal benefits, while your own benefits keep growing. Now, that's something that you have to wait till 66 to do. You are only going to be allowed to do that in the future if you are currently 62 or older. If you don't turn 62 by the end of this year, then you lose this option. L-
1: Let's talk dollars. How, how much do you think that w- would cost a, a, a retiree? And when they snuck this in, and, and what I've heard is that, oh, because only, um, you know, it, it's, it's favoring the wealthy. Um, but in your experience, Mary Beth, will not you imagine that it, it, it helps everyone? It doesn't necessarily mean if your benefit's higher or lower. I mean, if, if I have a lower benefit, wouldn't that help me even more because I could get more benefit from the overall um, Social Security system?
3: I think this has helped a lot of middle-class families where you have two spouses that are working. Um, the criticism that it's only for the wealthy is the fact that because you're delaying collecting your own benefit, you're, you're foregoing some cash right now. So by definition, you either need to have income from a job or, you know, income from investments that you can afford to delay. Um, I, I think it's a bad rap to say only rich people took advantage of this. The real fact is this was a devil's bargain. The senior groups really wanted to hold down the Medicare premium increase next year. That was their primary consideration. They got that in this bill. They were also worried that. People on disability would have a benefit cut next year if the disability trust fund ran out of money. They fixed that in the bill, too. The trade-off was they, quote, closed the aggressive loopholes that upper-income retirees were taking an advantage of. Um, I think a whole lot of people had already factored these claiming strategies into their retirement income plan, and it's going to make a huge difference for middle-income families of a secure retirement. There, there is a couple things I want to point out that have not changed, and this is very important. If you postpone collecting your benefits beyond your full retirement age up until age 70, you will still be able to earn an extra 8% a year. That has not changed. The difference is your family can't collect on your benefits while you delay. You actually have to collect. The other thing that has not changed, which is very important, if you are a surviving spouse because your husband or wife died, you're entitled to a survivor benefit. And if you have worked, you will also have a retirement benefit on your own record. Those surviving spouses will still have the choice of whether to collect a retirement benefit first and a survivor benefit later or vice versa, depending what will you know, create a bigger benefit for them. Those surviving spouses and surviving ex-spouses who were married at least 10 years, and divorced and currently single, still have the rights to choose between a retirement and a survivor benefit and switch to the other later. This is where I have a real problem with it. Not that it was changed. I thoroughly expected at some point down the road Congress was going to change this. What I object to is they changed it without warning.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, I mean, usually we get a lot more warning, but now here it's like there's a a deadline at year end and a deadline roughly around May 1st. It's like, how how do you plan for
1: that?
3: Exactly. So it, it has blown up a lot of retirement income plans.
1: What other recourses do, do you think this is going to happen? Um, I, I would imagine now people are going to claim their benefits as soon as they can get them again. You know, you know without even considering delaying because they might think, "Well, Congress changed this; they'll do it again." So, I, it, it, with that type of mindset, as as you know, um, Mary Beth, is that that's probably the wrong decision that people are, are are going to make because of this. I think
3: I agree completely. I think. This is going to strike fear in the hearts of people who have not yet retired. And think of how many years we have talked people off the ledge of saying, no, don't take it at 62. Wait till you turn 66 and get a full benefit, and when the earnings cap goes away, and you may be able to use some claiming strategies to increase your lifetime benefits. And a lot of those people said, I don't trust the government. I'm going to take it at 62. And I always told them, Don't be crazy. You'll have plenty of warning and you'll have plenty of time to adjust your plan. Well, I have egg all over my face because I don't think anybody was more surprised than I was.
1: Let's switch gears a little bit when when it comes to the Medicare premium. So this is the the, the crux of everything of why they got this pass is that they didn't want to increase the Medicare premium. And I guess because there was no COLA this year or next year, 2016, on their Social Security benefits, uh, they were going to increase the Medicare premium. But there's some bylaws and things. Can can you clear um, the air on that as well?
3: Sure. Let me explain some basic stuff. Um, Social Security benefits are paid to retirees and in most cases people who are enrolled in medicare their hospitalization medicare part a is free medicare part b which covers your doctors and outpatient visits has a monthly premium for 2015 most people pay about hundred and five dollars a month and that is deducted directly from your social security check well because inflation has been so low there will be no cost-of-living adjustment in Social Security benefits for 2016. The benefits will remain flat. There is a rule in the Social Security Act called the Hold Harmless Provision that says for most retirees, your Social Security benefits cannot go down from one year to the next just because your Medicare premium went up. So by definition, if there is no increase in Social Security benefits, there will be no increase in your Medicare premiums but that only applies to about 70% of retirees. The problem is Medicare costs have continued to go up and by law, those Medicare Part B premiums must pay for about 25% of the cost. The Social Security and Medicare trustees estimated that Medicare premiums would have to go up by 52% next year to cover those costs. Now here's the problem, if you have 70% of the people who are protected by hold harmless they're not paying an increase so the other thirty percent of people would have to pay the whole increase and it looks like the premium was going to go up from a hundred and five dollars a month this year to about a hundred and fifty five dollars a month next year that's about a six hundred fifty dollar annual increase um, people were really freaking out about that and we said we can't let this happen we have to protect retirees well they did a few fancy things to hold the increase down to about $120 next year. But in exchange for that, they did some other things, one of which is getting rid of these Social Security claiming strategies. So if you are enrolled in Medicare now and have been receiving Social Security and your income is under $85,000 if you're single or $170,000 if you're married, you will continue to pay the $105 a month next year. There are some people that will pay the higher amount. Those are people who are newly enrolled in Medicare next year. They're going to pay about $120 a month. So will people who are enrolled in Medicare but not collecting Social Security. They'll pay the higher amount. Those are people who have filed and suspended their benefits. Those are people who are enrolled in Medicare but aren't entitled to Social Security because they might be um, public employees. And people whose income is above those levels, above 85000 if single, or above 170000 if they're married, are going to pay a lot more for Medicare next year.
1: Great stuff. Mary Beth, thanks so much. That's Mary Beth Franklin. You can, uh, Mary Beth, where can people get more information about this and, and um, follow you?
3: Well, I am at investmentnews.com. You can go to that website and put my name, Mary Beth Franklin, in the search box, and you'll find everything I've written.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Mary Beth. That was Social Security expert Mary Beth Franklin in October 2015, discussing the new Social Security claiming rules that are now in place and potentially affecting your Social Security strategy. If you're still scratching your head, our Social Security webinar happening tomorrow at 10:30 a.m. Pacific time might be just what you need. Go to YourMoneyYourWealth.com to register, then log on to the free Social Security webinar tomorrow. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture in handy bullet point format. This week, 10 Ways to Curb Taxes in Retirement. All right, we have, this is from Morningstar. It's a pretty good
2: article. And I'll tell you what, taxes are one of the biggest expenses we find people have in retirement. And I guess it depends who you read and what study you look at. Some people say housing is the biggest expense, but certainly taxes, housing and medical are the top three. And for some people, when they pay it off their home and maybe they live in California, Prop 13, they have low property taxes. It's taxes, it's income taxes that are the highest expense. So, how do you reduce those tax bills uh, in the future? And the first one is practice tax diversification in your accumulation years. And Joe, what they're getting at is don't just put every single dollar in your IRA, 401k. Get some money into a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k. Have some money outside of your retirement account because there's different kinds of taxation in retirement. A Roth IRA is, of course, tax-free. Any money that you pull out of that, whether it's principal or income or growth, and uh, and your non-retirement accounts, well, if you invest those for growth and you sell it at a gain, then that gain is taxed at capital gain rates. That's a lot cheaper than ordinary income tax rates, which is what retirement accounts are. When you take money out of retirement accounts, it's all taxed at the highest of ordinary income rates.
1: You know, I was listening to a uh, other podcast slash radio show from a very well-known advisor, and as soon as I probably talk about it a little bit, you'll probably know who I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking to Big Al, of course. (laughs) He states that you can't look forward with taxes. You can You cannot. You cannot. Really? Right? Why is that? Because who knows what's going to happen? Okay. So, total disbeliever in the Roth. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking right? about. Right? He's like, well, no, I mean they could change the law. Just it's all I don't know. It's all conspiracy theorists or something <laughs> with this person. <laughs> Love the guy. Brilliant, his, sharp, his, very successful. But there's just a few things. And most of what he says is spot on. I right, think. except for this, in my opinion. Yeah. Is okay. Well, let's say you have money in a Roth IRA, right? That is growing one hundred percent tax-free for you. Do you have a Roth IRA? I do. Okay. So now that money grows tax free. Okay? And then now you hit retirement and you start pulling money from that account, let's say in 20 years. Right. Right? And then the tax law changed to a flat tax. Right. Okay? Are you gonna be like pissed off? <laughs> I still got money in the Roth IRA that's all no, still tax free. Yeah. Even though let's say the rates Go flat or a little bit lower, and you might have, could have, potentially, you know, if you did the math and everything else, and yeah, said, you know, I really wish I would have paid tax on this. Yeah,
2: right, because I, right, because then I could have got a bigger tax deduction way back when instead of what I say right now. And the 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 problem with that kind of thinking,
1: you already forgot about it. What did you have for lunch yesterday? Uh, See, you don't even remember. It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Who cares? Right. It's right. all tax free. You are right. So,
2: but you're right. And, and so here's the thing: is that whole analysis is is on paper, which is well, you want to you want to save at a higher tax bracket and lower. And and we generally agree with that. But here's the problem with taking that thinking to an extreme: is that presumes that the tax that you save, you will save it. Right. And how many people actually save? the
1: the money that they save in taxes they spend it. Right. It's so like for an example, $10,000 into a retirement account, you're in the 25% tax bracket, you save $2,500. So are you taking that $2,500 that you saved in tax and then saving it? No. No, you're going on another vacation. <laughs> yes, it's gone. You <laughs> saved in your 401k plans, you paid your taxes and you spent everything else. That's yeah. usually what happens. In Southern California, you bought a new surfboard. That's right. Or stand up
2: paddleboard or something. Number two, Joe, is take advantage of the sweet spot. Uh, And this is really talking about new retirees. Uh, And this is if you're, like, let's say you retire at age 62 or 65 or 67. There's a sweet spot between that age and 70 and a half. And what I mean by that is, at 70 and a half, you have to take your required minimum distribution, so your income naturally goes up by definition, or could go up by definition. And if you've waited on your Social Security till age 70, like we recommend for many of you to do that, well, then all of a sudden you've got that extra income as well. And so at 62, you don't necessarily have this income. You can be living off of your savings. You can be living the lifestyle you want to live, but have very low taxes. Income and why not use that opportunity to do Roth conversions, taking money out of the IRA, converting it to a Roth IRA? You pay taxes at lower rates because you're in lower brackets, and then all that future growth and in income is tax free, keeping you out of higher brackets later.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it just gives you choice, it gives you control on the overall taxation of the retirement income that you have, and I think that's key. Um, what 29% of the population has a Roth IRA, so yeah. 70% of you that are listening to this show probably not this show uh, but 70% of the population. And don't have a Roth IRA. It's craziness to me. I mean, I don't. It's tax-free income in retirement. I just put a couple. You know, put five grand in. Yeah, get it
2: started. <laughs> started.
0: If you need a free financial assessment, if you missed an episode of the podcast, or if you're just dying to see what Joe and Big Al look like, visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com. Access the Learning Center with resources, white papers, and webinars on investing and financial planning. Subscribe to the podcast and see clips of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, all at YourMoneyYourWealth.com. We're in
1: right in the thick of
2: Big Al's list. We are. We're talking about 10 ways to curb taxes in retirement. Next one I want to discuss, number three on the list. This is written by Morningstar. Pretty good article, by the way. Uh, It's Managing Your Withdrawal Sequencing. Hmm. And, Joseph, what they're getting into here is the market doesn't always go up in a straight line. Sometimes it shoots up. Sometimes it corrects. And you got to have a sense of where you're going to be pulling money from for your lifestyle, depending upon what kind of market it is and depending upon what kind of assets that you have in certain accounts. For example, if the market is shooting up and stocks are doing rather well, then you might want to create some of your income from the stocks, right? Because now you have a heavy allocation in stocks, right? On the other hand, if the market is correcting, you don't want to sell your stocks while they're down. You want to be selling those safe positions that have held their 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 value, right? And so you let the stocks recover and come back. It's all
1: about. How does that save you money in tax, though? Uh, What's the list? Aren't we talking <laughs> ten ways to save money in taxes? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we keep reading there, bubba. <laughs> Well, that's a good point. There, Joseph. <laughs> Did you switch to another list while I wasn't paying attention?
2: <laughs> uh, I guess you got me there, but that's that's what
1: it says. Well, no, I think that I think that's a that's a very good point. That's how you would want to take a look at how you create your I know, income. You were looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" Okay, so where's this tax play coming in? Okay, all right, I don't know, I don't get it. <laughs>
2: Well, here's uh, here's the tax play, Joseph. Okay. All right, let's I'll, do it. I'll, I'll expand on what's written here, okay? Because each of these bullets, they have another article that supports each thought. Oh, you
1: didn't? You you only kind of half asked it. <laughs> I just got the summary. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: let me explain how this could save you taxes, right? So if you are then selling your stocks while well, well, they're higher, then they've gone up, and so you probably have gain on sale. First of all, that's capital gain if you got them in the right accounts, right, which is your your non-retirement accounts. But secondly, if you've been tax-loss harvesting Harvest out, sure. while the market is down, right? So there's times of correction, you actually sell positions, you buy similar positions so you're still on the market, but you create tax losses. Then when you're selling your stocks to create your income in times when stocks are going up, you got these losses to net against it, thereby saving some taxes. Wonderful. You you, you buy that? I buy that. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, keep an eye on asset location.
1: All right. So, yeah, I think this... Those two could be combined. They could. Because uh, what asset location means is that you want to locate assets, such as stock, that's an asset, versus bond, which is another asset, in different pools, locations of how they're taxed. So let's say you have a retirement account and you have a brokerage account. And you have $200,000 in your brokerage account, you have $200,000 in your retirement account. So... That's 50% of your assets are in a retirement account, 50% are in a brokerage account. And then you also want a 50 50 split of stocks versus bonds. And this is, of course, outside of your cash reserves. Right. Okay. You potentially would like to hold your stocks in your brokerage account, in your bonds, in your retirement account because of the taxation. Yeah, I think most people think you should do it the other way. Sure. And the reason for that, Alan, is that we've always been taught to defer our retirement accounts. Defer, defer, defer. Right? Don't touch it. Right. And so people don't necessarily want to touch their retirement accounts. They're thinking that that is for long term. I don't want to, you know, right? So the IRAs are very long term. I'm not going to touch that. So I'm going to have more growth assets orientated in that particular account. Right. And outside of my retirement accounts, well, I might have to have access to it and things like that. No, that's what your cash reserve is for, right? So make sure that you have plenty of cash reserves for opportunities, you know, emergencies, everything else in between. And then everything that's earmarked for your retirement should be allocated stocks or asset classes that have higher expected returns should be in your non-retirement accounts. And then your more safe assets should be in your retirement accounts because of the tax. Just think about it, if you have your stocks, let's say, in a retirement account, stocks over time, have outperformed bonds because there's more risk to stocks than bonds. Because of that risk, you have a higher expected return. And then if I have this larger expected return in my retirement account that's going to be taxed at ordinary income rates, well, wouldn't you rather have that higher expected return in a brokerage account where you now you're taxed at a capital gains rates? For most of you, it's going to be lower than your ordinary income rate. So, you want to take advantage of the growth aspect of it, but also on the downside. If you're looking for higher expected return, you are going to take on more risk. And we all know what risk means. It's volatility. So when stocks go down, there's an opportunity for you to sell that particular security, buy something similar, take that loss as a realized loss, put it on your tax return that would be offset with any future gains. So it's a double whammy, I guess, for lack of a better word. Hey, I benefit on the upside because I get taxed out of capital gains, but I can also benefit on the downside by creating capital losses that will offset any future gains down the road. Yeah, I think this is one of the most important
2: tax Considerations for retirees is where they put their investments. And we're not saying to take any ridiculous risk in any Keep particular the same risk in asset the po- you know, profile. It's yeah. like figure out the right mix of assets for you, but then you pluck certain asset classes. As you said, you're more, you're, you're. Asset classes with higher expected returns, which are generally stocks, you put those in your non-retirement accounts because of capital gains. You put your safer assets in your retirement accounts because that's a bond that's going to create interest income, which is taxed at ordinary income anyway. And you don't necessarily want your highest growth in your retirement account. Now, if you've got a Roth IRA, even better, right? Because now you put your higher expected return asset classes in the Roth IRA. That all grows tax-free. You put your safest stuff in the rate regular retirement account, and then kind of the medium, if you will, whatever's left, put in the middle, put that in your non-retirement account. That's a great way to do it. If you think about it year after year, you'll get to keep more of what you're making because you've been really intelligent about the taxes.
1: Absolutely. it's um, You can tax lost harvest, tax gain harvest, then you have an efficient distribution strategy, and then just to piggyback on what you were saying, Al, before, where you were talking about nothing to do with tax, <laughs> Don't even though your me. list has everything to do with tax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um is <sad. laughs> that well, well, now I could look at, all right, well, if my stocks are up, well, do I sell those? Okay, if they're well, if I've already had some losses, I can offset those gains with losses, create that income tax-free, maybe pull a little bit from my, my retirement account, pay a little bit of ordinary income tax there, pull a little bit from my Roth IRA account, it's 0% tax there. So, now I have a little bit of choice and diversity when it comes to my income via taxes.
2: Right. Next one, Joe, is don't rule out additional contributions and, and retirement contributions. And, and, of course, we talk a lot about a, a, a regular. IRA, Roth IRA, you can put in $5,500 per year, all the way till April 15th of the following year. And if you're over 50, you add another $1,000. That's $6,500. When it's a a 401k account, I'm sorry, it's $18,000 or $24,000 if you're 50 and older. But then sometimes people forget they retire and their spouse is still working. They can still set up their own spousal IRA or spousal Roth contribution, depending upon their age, depending upon income limitations, but
1: that gets missed all the time. It's a great idea to take a look at all of your options in regards to saving. No one's ever complained that they've saved too much, so you probably will need it down the road. And so just looking at them, where do you want to place those assets?
0: Get social with Your Money, Your Wealth and Pure Financial Advisors. Follow us on Twitter at ymywshow. Show. To connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Google+, just search for Pure Financial Advisors.
1: Hey, we're halfway home, Al,
2: on your big list here. What do we got? We are 10 ways to curb taxes in retirement. Next one is know the rules on Social Security taxation. I bet you almost nobody knows what the rules are. And Social Security income, talking to income now, which in some cases, it's tax-free. In other cases, you pay pay taxes on 50% of the income. And in yet other cases, you pay taxes on 85% of the income. Now, that's not an 85% tax rate, it just means 85% of Social Security gets added to your income and then you pay taxes on that,
1: right? I think an easier way to say it is: fifteen percent of your Social Security benefit is going to be federally tax-free. Yeah, at least, right? at least, at and the,
2: in some cases, fifty percent of the benefits tax-free, and other cases, a hundred percent is tax-free. Right. So it, it's helpful to know those limits. And if you're married filing jointly, if your uh, if your what do you call it provisional income? Yes, sir, is below thirty-two thousand dollars. You don't pay any taxes on Social Security, and provisional income is half of Social Security plus other income. I think they add municipal bond interest as well.
1: Basically, any type of income, interest, cash flow that you can possibly imagine that will come to you, um, except for like return of basis of a particular stock or Roth IRA distribution. Yeah,
2: and this is one of the reasons we talk so much about Roth IRAs, because if you are a person that was able to get a lot of your money into a Roth IRA, and you can keep your provisional income, you're married below this $32,000, then your Social Security is tax-free. Right, it's fantastic. Now, if you're if it's between thirty two and forty four thousand dollars, it's fifty percent, fifty percent of it's tax free. Fifty percent is taxable, and if it's over forty four thousand, then you only have a fifteen percent tax free.
1: Right. So what we look at is let's just say that you've been a, a regular listener to the show over the last ten years, and you've decided to maybe start taking some of the money that you have from a retirement account and slowly converting it to a Roth and making more Roth IRA contributions. So the majority of your nest egg potentially is in a Roth versus a a, a standard retirement account. Now, if you could then say, all right, well, here, I want to live off of $100,000 a year, Then, let's say you still have money in a retirement account. Then you look at, all right, well, here, I'm just going to pull a little bit from the retirement account. I'm going to collect my Social Security, and then every ounce of um, additional income is going to come from my Roth. Potentially, you could, I mean, we have clients that have, um, have accumulated a lot of money in Roth IRAs and are living on a six finger income with barely any taxation. Yeah, it's it's just because amazing. it's all coming from a Roth; it's not taxed. And then they pushed out their Social Security to age seventy; they got a large Social Security benefit, and they're enjoying that tax free income from the Roth. Yeah, it's rather amazing. It's, and of course, uh, that was all hypothetical. It, of course, thank you for saying that for a compliance standpoint. Um Now, we don't have clients said do that we heard that other clients <laughs> somewhere might have that strategy <laughs> hypothetically that I it's, read somewhere. It's 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 very possible, Joe, because and, and also
2: here's what happens when you are in these in these ranges where you're starting to get taxed on social security. Now it's like you add a dollar of extra income. You're in generally the fifteen percent tax bracket. So you're paying fifteen percent, but wait a minute, all of a sudden now the social security, that extra dollar has caused another, you know, eighty five cents of social security to be taxable so This might sound kind of weird, but you think you're in a 15% bracket, but your effective rate is really 27.5% because you're paying tax on that extra dollar, and all of a sudden more of your Social Security is taxable. And so many times we'll have people convert in the 25% bracket, and they'll ultimately save more taxes in the future because they're staying out of this higher,
1: weird bracket when it's in the 15% bracket. Right, because that Social Security, you got to understand provisional income and how your income is going to be taxed um, and how your Social Security is going to be taxed, I think most people, um, which is great, I think we got to start somewhere, it's like, well, how much assets do I need to accumulate, right? And then they just focus on a number, all right, I need a million bucks. And then guess where that million dollars is?
2: Yeah, it's in their retirement account. It's in
1: their retirement account. And every last dollar that comes out of there is taxed at ordinary income. So yes, hey, let's get a million dollars, all right, or five hundred thousand or two hundred and fifty thousand, whatever your number is. But then just be a little bit more strategic on how those assets are going to be accumulated over time. And then if you're closer to retirement, making sure that you have the right balance in different accounts because long term it's gonna save you potentially a lot of taxes. And when do you need the money the most? It's when you're retired, and if you can avoid or mitigate some of these taxes, I mean, it's it. it, it, it I, I can't think of a bad thing uh, to say about that, that's my a, friend.
2: That's a good thing. Uh, by the way, if you're single, it's yes, th- I am. Thanks th- 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 yeah, th- for yeah for you, yes. Joe. Uh, when uh, when just you just a hit, reminder when you hit seventy. <laughs> And start collecting. By <laughs> seventy, I might find a spouse. Twenty-five thousand dollars—that's the number that you can be under provisional income and pay no tax on your Social Security. The the twenty-five to thirty-four thousand is where it's fifty percent tax-free, and over thirty-four thousand, it's only fifteen percent tax-free. Our next item, Joe, is get the biggest bang for your deductions, and this is referring to the itemized deductions because the the basic rule with taxes is, Iris doesn't. Let you deduct personal items, personal expenses, except for things that are on that itemized deduction schedule, like medical deductions. If you're over 10% of your adjusted gross income, or if you're over one of your husband or wife are over 65, it's 7.5%. Mortgage interest, property taxes, state taxes, charitable contributions. So there's a few things there. And a lot of times when people have paid off their mortgage, let's say they've retired, they don't have a lot of itemized deductions. And so they just take the standard deduction. But if, uh, it, and I know you're going to love this concept, Joseph, but it's a concept called bunching. It's where you might take uh, your property tax bill, and maybe you pay your April bill in December one year to get some extra property taxes. Maybe you do extra contributions. Maybe you pay some extra medical in one year so that you get over that standard deduction and actually get some extra benefit. And the following year, of course, you're a lot lower, but you'll just get the standard deduction. It can make a big difference.
1: Not even close to a big difference. (laughs) It might save you 50 bucks. (laughs) You you know what? so on my way to the radio station here, yes, I stopped and purchased a energy drink. Okay, and which was, you normally
2: do for a show. It's it's one of the ways that you keep so energetic. And, yes, and you and know some
1: a, some agua, water. Right, and then um, I got fifty cents off. Right. Okay, and then the gentleman that I usually go to the same gas station. Right, and he's like, "Hey, fifty cents off," and I was like, "Wow!" And he's like, "Yeah, you really can't buy much with." Fifty cents anymore? Can you? And I was like, "Well, can't you still? I don't, I don't drink soda pop. I don't drink yeah. Coke. You know, whatever." Yeah, right, right. And so I go, "Well, can't I? Well, there's a pop machine or something. Can I put fifty cents and get a can of Coke or something?" Right. He's like, "We sell pop can- or cans for $2. <laughs> two dollars. Two dollars. Two bucks for a, <laughs> a can of soda." Right? And I'm like god I feel old right now. I'm $2, like dollars, right? 2 bucks? I, yeah. The last time I think I drank a soda was I put 50 cents in a a pop machine. <laughs> a vending machine, uh, right? Yeah. That must have been a while ago. You don't call them pop machines?
2: Uh no. That's a that's a Midwest You term. know what I'm referring to. Uh, yeah, right? yeah,
1: soda okay. pop. All right. Yeah. Yeah, same. we call it soft drinks here in Southern California. Soft <laughs> drinks is what you get at like McDonald's. <laughs> is that's through the right? It's not a can. It's yes. like can I get a soft drink okay, in a can? Okay,
2: that a can of soda. I wouldn't just, i would i would soft I, I, drinks. as a southern california there's no boy, soft i would never a, say a, i would never go into to a place and say i'd like a soda pop give me a pop <laughs> give me a pop can't say it it's just a little bit uh it's not cool enough for okay. southern california All just right. just Fyi okay
0: it's time to dip into the email bag with financial questions courtesy of Advisor Insights from Investopedia and you, the Your Money, Your Wealth listeners. Joe and Big Al are always willing to answer your money questions. Email info at purefinancial.com, or you can send your questions directly to joe.anderson at purefinancial.com or ellen.clopine at purefinancial.com.
2: You got some good questions this week, Joe? I have no idea. I have not read them. Okay, Oh, this is, uh, and I haven't seen them either, so... I think, I wonder if our listeners, I guess our listeners know we haven't actually read the questions beforehand based upon our
1: answers. Probably. And you know what? I got to apologize, and I forget the gentleman's name. Um, he sent me a, like a 10-page email, it seemed like, on a defined benefit plan. Um, I had the email. He's asked me several questions in the past. I've been very prompt, but this last one, it was a busy week. Yeah. I will definitely get back to you. Ah, so. Okay. Okay, here we go. And these are not from our listeners. Uh, this list of emails is from Advisor Insights, Investopedia. Okay, let's see. Should I? Sh- here's the title of the email, Alan. Okay. Should we roll over our 401k or pay off our mortgage with the funds? Okay. We have a 401k with a company uh, that was bought out. It's worth $186,000. We have other investment accounts that total 250000 We have a rental house that we owe $150,000 at 3.65% for 25 years. Should we withdraw from our 401k and cash it out with a 10% penalty to pay off the house or roll it over? Wow, that's a great question and the answer is very simple. <laughs>
2: it's uh and I'm assuming there's some reason you want to roll it over. Maybe they left their job and they want to
1: Yeah, it was bought out.
2: Yeah, oh, it was bought out. Okay. Uh, yeah, you roll it over because if first of all, if you if you pull the money out, you have to pay income taxes and you have to pay penalties uh, and if they're in California, you pay penalties to California as well. So it's about a 50% tax. So if you want to pay off a uh, what's the more? dollars 100, 100, 100, No, you need 300 grand. Yeah, you need to pull out 300000 You only have $186. does not work. Don't work. Right? It's it's just not, a good, it's hardly ever a good idea to take a lump sum out of a retirement account and pay all those taxes and just to be debt free, right? And especially if you're under 59 and a half with the penalties. It's just, I can't think of a situation where you'd want to do that.
1: This is very, very common though, Alan, because it is. We, Happen, look, we see it all the time. Yep. You look at a retirement account. Right. It says $186,000, and automatically you assume that you have $186,000. Yeah, you're thinking
2: it's more than the mortgage, so just pull it out and pay it out. Oh,
1: I'll pay a little bit of tax.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll be something.
1: But no. This happened, um, what, last year? I was teaching a class, Grossmont College. Guy comes up to me. He goes, Joe, I got this whole retirement thing mapped out. Right. My, I was dragged here by my wife kicking and screaming. <laughs> I was like, well, thank you very much. It's for- like, I don't, I don't need to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know all this. And I was like, well, thank you very much for sharing that with me. It's really helping my confidence. <laughs> you're, you're already thinking. <laughs> because I-, I have a very tough time with that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, all right. And I go, well, how can I help you? He goes, I think I lost 350 grand. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you don't got this thing all wrapped up, do you? I didn't say that, but I was like, "Tell me more." I right. go, "How that happened? What are you talking about?" I thought you had it wrapped up. You knew everything, and you were, you know, kicking and screaming. So
2: he was listening to your your talk. I apparently. guess so. Yeah.
1: And so this is what he did. He retired. Has a hundred fifty thousand dollar pension. Right. He says he spends forty grand. I said. You know what? I can see why you think you got this thing wrapped up. That sounds pretty good. That math works. Right. And he's like, Joe, I've saved. I got a million dollars in my retirement account. I go, man, those are two really good things. I can see why you were kicking and screaming coming here. (laughs) All right. And he goes, yeah, I'm debt free. I was like, okay. Three great things. And I go, what's the problem? And he said, well, to pay off the mortgage, I pull it out of my retirement account. Right. $350,000 he pulled out of the retirement account to pay off a $350,000 mortgage. Right. And now he's realizing and doing the math a little bit. At 350 ordinary income plus $150,000 pension, you're at 500 grand of total income. Mm-hmm. And I said, "All right, well, do you have any money outside of retirement accounts?" He's like, "No. I got like 50 grand, you know?" And I was like, "Okay, I can see why you're your wheels are turning here a little bit. <laughs> and so, where I do the math, next year, when he, $500,000 of income, he's probably going to owe what? couple hundred thousand. Depends on his withholdings yeah, I mean, on his pension. Yeah, there's a lot of things
2: we don't know, right? But let's just say there's no withholdings, just to just to make this a real simple thing. It could be 150000 tax. It could be a couple hundred thousand tax. I mean, a lot of variables. And I'm, I'm including state of California
1: as well. So where's he going to come up with that $200,000? He only has $50,000 well, outside of his, his retirement Well, he's going to go back
2: account. to his retirement account, and then it's going to get taxed the following year. And he's got no money to pay that
1: tax, so he's going to have to go back again the following year to pay that tax. Right. It's just tax upon tax upon tax. Blew him up. And so the advice was go back to the bank, refinance your house, get the $350,000 back, and try to get it back into your retirement account, your IRA. Yeah, and you have to do that within 60 60 days. days. And if you don't, it's that you're done. Right. And if you took it out of a 401k, you're done. Right. There's no 60 day rollover in a 401k. It's only in an IRA, individual retirement account. Right. So be careful with that. I mean, we've seen this time and time again where, hey, I really, you know, here's my dream house. I got a million dollars in my retirement account. I don't have anything else. I really want this, you know, so I'm going to pull out another $400,000 to buy this X, you know, million five house. And then all of a sudden, your $500,000, is now you got to pull out 750,000. Right. Okay. Anyway, that was a long-winded. <laughs> that was. What's right. the next question? I got it for you. How are my 401k taxes treated when I'm drawing from social security? Okay. My tax person told me I can take up to 11,500 from my 401k pre-tax dollars and I pay taxes on the 11,500 amount. Is that true? Uh, that's the, that's the question. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's... Let me. Let, me, let me, uh, the answer is. Well,
1: what's your deductions, exclusions, exemptions? First well, right, of all, right
2: now I'm going to assume it's standard deduction. So the standard the, the exemption amount's four thousand fifty dollars, and the uh, the standard deduction. I'm assuming he's single because then that would be eleven thousand four hundred dollars. So that is a correct statement for two thousand seventeen, if he had no other income, and he does a standard deduction, uh, then that's right. And a lot of people don't realize that you, because of the standard deduction and the exemption, you can actually make a fair amount of money without having to pay any income tax whatsoever. So, yes, I agree with that, as long as you're single and, and don't have other income.
1: That was a quick one. Big, big, big brain. <laughs> big Al. All right. How can I continue to build and earn off of an initial stock purchase? Oh, okay. Let's see. Okay. I just received three to four shares of Procter & Gamble stock. Okay. I want to build off that, but do not necessarily know where to start. How can I create a portfolio and get a return? <laughs> I should have read that before I said it.
2: <laughs> well, how can you create a portfolio? So Let's presume that you're working, and and we're going to make some assumptions here, that you have an income and that you can save some of that income. And so, probably the, because you're, you're asking a question like this, I'm going to assume you're younger. I'm just making that assumption, Joe. So here's the thing: is you want to pay yourself first. Either it's a company 401k, or it's an IRA, or maybe it's money going directly to your savings account from your paycheck. If you can, uh, you you accumulate some money in know in, in one of these areas, and then you just start investing. And you're you're, you're investing in shares in Procter and Gamble, which is a great company, but it's not a very well diversified portfolio. And so we would you got probably, three or four
1: shares. That's a good start.
2: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) We would probably recommend if you're just starting out with the first few dollars, maybe you get a total stock market return index fund so you have more diversification.
0: I was the first one to file a financial disclosure form, almost 100 pages. You don't learn anything about somebody's wealth with a tax return. You learn it from statements.
2: Donald Trump's return got released or... Allegedly got yeah.
1: released. When, didn't she like Rachel Maddow had a yeah, big like, somehow real it, it, got, it TV. got leaked
2: to a, a reporter that she knew and then she she had like it. a
1: special or something.
2: Yeah, oh, still I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting though. I don't know if this is a valid return or not, but I'll tell you what it says. It showed about 150 million dollars of income. That's not bad. Yeah, not bad, and and that's about 10 million dollars in interest and dividends. I'm rounding. Uh, let's call it about 40. 40- How much didn't Ten ten million in in, interest in dividends. In yes, uh huh. Okay. About uh, about f- about forty plus million in business income on Schedule C. That's interesting <laughs> that someone would have of this income level would have forty million of income on a Schedule C sole proprietorship. Hmm. Typically, you see that in S corporations, LLCs. Uh, let's see, capital gains of thirty-two million, and rental real estate and business income of sixty-seven million. Now here's the catch, though, is there was a $100 million net operating loss. So the adjusted gross income was about $50 million. And itemized deductions, $17 million. Taxable income was $31 million. Interestingly enough, the income tax was only $5 million, and the reason it's so low is because all of that was taxed to capital gain rates. But here's the kicker, Joe, is the alternative minimum tax was $31 million and so if you add that with the regular tax uh, according to this return 36 million of tax was paid on 31 million of taxable income Therefore, a more than hundred percent tax rate, but it, it depends on what you compare the taxes to. Right. Some people compare the tax of thirty-eight million to one hundred fifty million. And they say well, that's a twenty-five percent bracket. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can compute this.
1: So thirty-one million was um, the Altman plus yes. another five million of ordinary. Right. Thirty-six million total tax paid, and then you have his taxable income was what? Thirty-one million. Thirty-one million. So you're paying more, more than taxes than
2: yeah, more than a hundred percent tax rate if you look at compared to tax. And then there was self-employment tax of about two million. So really, it was about thirty-eight million in tax. So is, do you think there's a reason why
1: he wants to get rid of alternative minimum tax?
2: I'm thinking because that otherwise that thirty-one million wouldn't be there. Yeah, right? it would have just been $5 mil on 150 million dollars total income. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a, a better
1: deal, right? So. Th- Let's say um, so what's interesting, how you can kind of dissect a tax return here too, is let's say he's got ten million dollars of interest dividends. Right. Do right? you think that's more interest? It's it's almost all interest. Okay. So what do you think
2: Well this was two thousand five. So so we already kinda of did the math. So, I, I did this in tax class. What do you use internally. a Two percent? No, we use four because this was back in two thousand oh, five. All right. Yeah, and I think we got like what did we get? Two hundred million. Two hundred million in cash in, in or assets. cash accounts. Yeah, something like two hundred thirty, something like that.
1: And then you got capital gains of thirty five. So that's a little bit more challenging depending on what yeah, he's
2: holding. That you can't really tell. Business business income was about hundred ten million between his sole proprietorships and his real estate. No, but if you businesses. if
1: you're worth fifty billion, what what does he say he's worth?
2: Oh I think it's like I I don't know, two, three, four billion. Oh. maybe that's it's Warren Buffett or something. That's maybe, yeah, that's Warren Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> he's not there yet. <laughs> I don't think so. Just wait till his books come out. But then but then it's like well how could first of all, how could someone pay only five million in income tax and it's because it's all at capital gain rates? That's easy to answer. How could someone like this have thirty one million in alternative minimum tax? And the reason is because Well, first of all, he lives in the state of New York, according to this return, which we already knew. And New York has high state taxes, which are not deductible, not allowable for alternative minimum tax purposes, number one. Number two is he owns, presumably, a a lot of real estate, uh, and real estate. The depreciation schedules, in some cases, for uh, alternative tax purposes, allow less depreciation than regular tax purposes. So you get a much bigger deduction, potentially, for regular tax purposes. Particularly back in 2005. Now nowadays, it's a little bit more in sync with each other. But if he had properties he bought, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, and and. You know, during that time frame, there was more difference between regular and alt min depreciation, and so you could see why he would want to eliminate alternative tax. As a lot of uh, taxpayers that make a lot of money, because these alt min taxes, they, they they sort of came around a. To catch the wealthy from at least well, paying yeah, some taxes. Well, yeah, they
1: came on the 1950s when four billionaires didn't pay any tax. They did, right? And so this was this could have been. Well, this is 2005. We're talking the 50s, right? Because they had all those crazy tax shelters, right? You know, and then this is before the passive loss rules right. and uh, um, uh, gains and the pigs and the pals and all that other right. stuff that I learned in college <laughs> a couple of years ago. And it stuck, huh? It did. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Passive income, passive losses, they offset. Anyway, didn't I did one, one other
2: interesting thing about the return. It, at the top of the return, it says, "Check here if you or your spouse, um, filing jointly, want three dollars to go into the presidential election campaign." He, he said no. He said yes. Oh, he gave three bucks. But Molina said no. Oh, okay. She wasn't into it. <laughs> she was, She didn't like presidents <laughs> at that time.
1: Fairly not. Uh, well, all right. We got political. Let's do it. Yeah, we did. Well, we talked taxes. We looked at it. We dissected a tax return. And I think most of our listeners caught about <laughs> maybe 4% of what you said. I would agree the with
2: Altman that. The Altman and blah, 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 I know. It, 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 it's just noise. I get it. But if you're interested- but it sounds like you got a big brain, Big Al. It's- <laughs> You can tell if that's the reason why uh, a lot of the politicians in the country, for that matter, wanted his tax returns because you can tell a lot of about a, a person right. with the tax return. Now we only have two pages, and there's it's probably hundreds of pages
1: long. It's probably a pretty thick return. I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you charge them if you were doing taxes? Oh, this back this, in the day, this, this return. If
2: I had to do this one. Um, no. I, well, this just for the personal, not even all the corporations. I mean, I, I would have to hire an army of people. Uh, but um, just the personal return, I don't know, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, <laughs> half a million. I have no idea. I got to see the whole return. It's it's big. It's it's you, huge. You think,
1: <laughs> huge. Do you think H and R Block did it?
2: Uh, Charged up two hundred fifty bucks. Let's see. Oh, it's blacked out. I can't see who did it, oh. and the Social Security numbers are blacked out, and. Um, but we do know that Melina kept her own name. She did, she's not Trump. She's, uh, uh, gosh, K-N-A-Y-S. How do you
1: pronounce that? All right. Nice. Well, that's it for us today. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, brother. Okay. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. We're, we ran out of time. Uh, the show went fast. Hopefully it went fast for you. I want to thank Mary Beth for uh, sticking. Um, we just kind of plugged her in. It was a little repeat, if you didn't know that. But, um, <laughs> but we'll be back next week. I'm very excited about next week because I'm sure we're going to have a lot more uh, fun stuff to talk about. For Big L Clopon, I'm Joe Anderson. Uh, And go Gators! March Madness is upon us. Uh, We'll see you next week.
0: So to recap today's show, tax diversification and knowing the Social Security taxation rules can help you curb your taxes in retirement. But does looking at how you create retirement income save taxes? It was a stretch, but Big Al made it work for us. Donald Trump's 2005 tax return leads us to believe that he paid more than a 100% tax rate, depending on your calculations. I don't know, that one still confuses me. Anyway, special thanks to our guest Mary Beth Franklin for explaining the current Social Security claiming rules. Don't forget to register for tomorrow's free Social Security webinar at Your Money Your to learn more. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com Your Wealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, this show is about you. If there's something you'd like to hear on Your Money Your Wealth, just email info at Purefinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit Purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide. Provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.